Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, Discipleship Pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. Good morning. Glad to have you here on this holiday weekend. I have a couple of thoughts for you real quickly, too, before I introduce our speaker. One is that we're going to be serving with Life Remodeled again as well. Uh, on Saturday, it's listed in your bulletin. You can start to march that date down. We're going to be there together on that. And then one final note is this. I'm going to be doing something that uh, I've not done before in uh, all the time of ministry here. We've had moments and we've had times, sometimes related to leading up to Easter or some other event, um, but for right now, starting next week, and I'll talk more about this next Sunday, I'm calling the entire church to a 40-day period of prayer. And I'm going to explain why and what that's about next week. But we're going to have a 40-day period of prayer, uh, just seeking God's direction on a number of things. And so we'll talk about that next week. I just want you to kind of be alert to that. It'll begin on the 17th of July, but we'll talk about it next Sunday. There. Having said that, Sometimes you have friends, and you enjoy them so much, and you're so much in relationship that you kind of forget some of the really cool things about them because they're just like normal people to you, you know? And um, in this case, I wanted to step back, and so I scribbled down a few things here, which is a problem because now I'm trying to read my handwriting, um, which is really bad. Um, Bishop Harris has been a friend for a number of years, to me personally and to us as a congregation. He's a University of Michigan graduate. He is someone who often represents the mayor of Detroit's office in a lot of difficult situations. Um, he's been involved with Ceasefire, an organization that's uh, attempting to stem violence and street violence uh, in Detroit. He is nationally recognized and sought out as a consultant and, uh, and someone who talks to that issue. He's a founder and president of the Faith-Based Coalition of Detroit, of which we are also a member and part of. Um, but I think probably the most important thing to me is he's the pastor of Total Life Church. And Total Life Church is a church that we have been partnered with and is a key partner with us in the Osborne community as we've all been working together to see spiritual and physical transformation within that community. Um, he literally has his hands in so many different things, he doesn't know what he's doing from one minute to the next half the time. <laughs> I'm really glad that he's taking the time out today and, uh, and some of the other members of the congregation to join us as well, too, and family. And so this morning, I want to recognize that. And I'm going to ask if you would please warmly welcome the Reverend Bishop Daryl Harris, please. Um, I'm so uh, proud to be here this morning. Um, and I want to start by doing something that um, I don't often do when I come over. Uh, but I want to do this. Um, it's in my heart to do it. Pastor Randy is really, he's transcended friendship. We have become brothers. Uh, and I am so honored to have him as a brother. Every now and then you need someone in your life that doesn't always have to call you bishop. Sometimes you need to be called by your first name. 
uh, takes you to another place and brings you back to yourself. And uh, Pastor Randy has that, um, that freedom to do that in my life because we're so close. And I just wondered if you would just join me for a couple of seconds in celebrating your pastor, my friend and brother, Pastor Randy. Thank you. Thank you. You don't often meet genuine people, and so when you do, you have to learn to appreciate them. Um, my mom is here also, and uh, my, yeah, there she is over there. And uh, I think, you know, they told me that they didn't plan this, my wife and my mom. They didn't plan to dress alike. I'm not believing that. <laughs> I just think they left me out the loop on purpose. <laughs> However, my wife is here and uh, very grateful. Um, my uh, twins are here. I think my son came in. Is that him over? Oh, yeah, that's him over there. And my daughter is up here on stage. I'm a little taken back today. Um, I've seen her uh, before sing with and do worship uh, with your team here. But today, I don't know. It was just something that made me more appreciative today to be able to see your children actually loving God on their own. You're not making them do it. They really love God on their own. So appreciative. And then finally, just to Total Life Christian Ministries, those of you who are here, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you all. Uh, you know when, when we really become comfortable, Pastor Randy, because uh, before when we used to come, they'd come to 9 and 11. This time they were like, yeah, we'll just catch you at the, <laughs> catch you at the 11 this go around. <laughs> yeah, we, we got you. You're going to say basically the same thing anyway. We're going to catch you. Um, so I'm grateful to have everyone here today. Look, let's just jump into our word. So much to do today. So much we could talk about today. But um, I really want to just share with you a particular word. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 and verses 25 uh, through 30 and this morning, I was trying to use my cell phone, and they reminded me, like, you don't have to do that here. We got you, Bishop. We got you. Um, and so, if you don't have your Bible with you, of course, you can read like I am uh, off of the monitors there for you. All right? Shortly before down, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Today, I just want to use for an approach of theme, just these simple words, the next steps. Would you kindly turn to someone next to you and just tell those words to them, your next step. 
And you guys are a lot quicker on the draw this afternoon, man. I can tell. We live in turbulent times. No one in this sanctuary would disagree with me when I say that. As a matter of fact, the Bible, King James Version especially, has a term that it refers to these times as calls it perilous. We're seeing those days right now. And I know, you know, every generation that comes forth declares that this is that generation and things are so much worse than the generation before. But again, I don't think anyone would think that I'm overplaying it or overstating it by saying that there are a lot of different things between now and just 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And the unfortunate part of that is this. It's probably not going to get any better anytime soon. I'm right here for you. The hope that we have, however, is that for us, there is a security. For us, there is a hope. And that hope is blessed. That hope that we know what our future is going to be. The stability that that provides for us because we've already given our lives to the architect of all things that are created. And that's a great place to be. As a matter of fact, if you're saved in that sense and you know it, you should just celebrate that right now. I have some folk, you know, who I'm around occasionally who are not saved, who have not yet, you know, taken Christ as their savior. And they try to tell me that, you know, you think you're special. You think you're better than I am. And I tell them being saved doesn't make me better than you, but it does make me better off than you. (laughs) Sometimes they don't laugh like you guys did. Uh, (laughs) uh, But we keep it moving anyway. Um, So, you know, I think that there is nothing in play that we can do anymore about that portion of our salvation because all of that is left up to Christ. Once we place that in his hands, it's left to him and we can be secure in that. Ephesians tells us that we're not uh, saved by works, but we're saved by grace through faith. Not of our works. We don't want we have anything to boast about. It's all because of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. And we're secure in that. And sometimes that's a great thing, right? Makes us feel really good because it's like, yes, Jesus, he did it all and he paid it all. But then sometimes that's really bad because we think that because Jesus paid it all, that we don't have to do anything. <laughs> and it's in turbulent times like this that you find out even though he paid it all and he's got all power and he's got all authority and he's got all glory and he's taking care of all the spiritual matters for us that we still have to walk this thing out we still have to live it 
And I'm not talking about that kind of Christianity that we use in terms or in reference to our status as people, because that's common day now. It's commonplace to say, yes, I'm a Christian. And it gives us some sort of lift in our status. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kind of Christianity that's blood-bought, blood-wrenching, blood-spilling, blood-gushing, sacrificial, give your life in any moment in time. And that's what we're being called into in these days. And that's what makes this story so prominent to really speak about today. Let's get the particulars out of the way, right? This story, basically, it's Jesus. Jesus is being Jesus. There's a big storm. And of course, only like Jesus, what does he do? He decides, send the boat away and just walk on the water. I mean, common Jesus. And that's why he's not really the star of this story. Because he's the only one in the story that's doing exactly what he always does. He takes on the challenges. He overcomes the challenges. And you expect nothing less from him. It was only to the disciples still in the ship that this was somewhat confusing. Because although they had just left him on the mountain sometime before, it wasn't like a week went by or whatever. There was just a change from day to night and a change from clear skies to stormy skies. And all of a sudden, even though Jesus is doing what he's always done, they don't recognize him in this moment. And they don't recognize him in this moment because he's doing something that he's always done, yet it's for them. And not necessarily for other people. And sometimes we can be blinded by just that, right? It's real easy to celebrate Christ when he's going out doing all these great miracles and everything for everyone else. And we're like, oh, yes, he's a healer when he's healing other people. Oh, yeah, he's a deliverer when he's delivering other people. Oh, yeah, he's a way maker when he's making a way for other people. But when we're in a storm, sometimes it becomes conflicting to really decipher, is that truly him? Because we would rather appreciate him without having to go through something (laughs) than we would to appreciate him for bringing us out of something that we have to go through. How many times have we celebrated him or have you celebrated him, but then he's doing that same miracle working, he's doing that same saving he's doing that same delivering but it's you this time in trouble and now that he's walking on the water instead of him walking on the water and you seeing that as something great he's walking on the water and you see him as a ghost (laughs) you see him as somebody that can't really help you out of your situation or maybe there's no hope for you or maybe he's the one that's causing all of this stuff to happen he's an apparition and whenever your faith becomes an apparition to you something that you can look through or something that you feel is powerless to make any changes in your life, then you become afraid of it or you become intimidated by it. 
because you're so caught up in what's going on around you. Jesus is walking on the water. Storm is happening. He's not phased. They've been trying to dip water out of the boat all of this time. They've been trying to get to dry land. Haven't been able to make a move. Haven't been able to get out. This Jesus comes walking on the water. They all start crying out. Oh my God. And I'm sure that there's nothing sadder than seeing 12 men in a boat screaming and hollering. <laughs> it can't be a sadder picture. There, there can't be a more sad picture, right? Especially when you take on the fact that some of them are actually fishermen. This cannot have been their first storm, right? <laughs> Yet and still, they see Jesus coming. They begin to cry out. They begin to scream out, oh my God, oh my God. And they're actually screaming out, oh my God, to God. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just a strange thing, I imagine, right? So Jesus says to them, hey, look, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. The reason you don't have to be afraid is because it's me doing the supernatural. Now, if it were the other person doing the supernatural, the other being doing supernatural, it was Satan, maybe you'd be afraid. But it's me. I'm the same guy. The same guy that's been looking out for you all this time. The same guy that's been multiplying bread and fish. He didn't have any problem with that. Nobody freaked out when you know, when he multiplied bread and fish, right? Nobody freaked out when he, when he made the wine out of water. Nobody freaked out, right? But all of a sudden, you're freaking out. It's the same guy. We're going to get through this. Look at your neighbor and tell him, we're going to get through this. Right? So, it's water still rising. And now, the star of the story emerges. Peter is the star of the story because he's the only one getting ready to do something that he doesn't normally do. He looks out to Jesus and he says, hey, if that's really you, then this is what I want. I want you to tell me (laughs) to get out of the boat and do what you're doing. Okay, stop the press. <laughs> Peter, even though he's the star of the story, right now, he's kind of lost me, right? Because he doesn't say to Jesus, hey, if it's really you, then you do some other kind of miracle that puts you further in jeopardy or further at risk. He says, no, I want you to prove that you are really God by causing me to do something that would put me at risk, that would cause me to sacrifice something. I mean, this is a testimony right here. And I can see just in my mind's eye, I can see those other 11 guys trying to stop Peter from getting, because because Jesus says, well, it's me. I check my ID, pinch myself. Yeah, my name is Jesus. I'm that guy. He says, well, come on. And Peter gets up and he's, let's get out of the boat. And again, in my mind's eye, I can see these guys, the other 11 trying to keep him in. And at first, you know, when I used to read this story as a kid, I thought they may have been trying to keep him in the boat because maybe they were afraid for his safety. Maybe they thought he was risking himself. But as I grew older, I began to understand maybe they were keeping him in that boat because if he gets out there and succeeds, then Jesus might expect all of us to get out of this boat. (laughs) 
Now, I don't know if that's quite what I want to do, right? And that's how it is sometimes in your lives. You know, you can feel this great urgency. God is calling you to, to do something great, to do something special, to do this miraculous ministry right here at Rock Point, right there at TLC. And you can see and you hear it and you know it and it's all in your fiber. And then some killjoys from the rest of the church come around and start telling you, well, are you sure that's Jesus? Are you sure you're hearing him? Well, did you pray about that? Pastor Randy is never going to stand for that. You should go and get wise counsel for that. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. But what I'm saying is that sometimes people aren't telling you that because they're afraid that you might fail. They're telling you that because they're afraid you might succeed. And if you succeed, Pastor Randy might have more expectations out of the rest of you saying, why aren't the rest of you getting out of that boat? Let's go. And sometimes we become dependent on the thing that's carrying us as opposed to the words that were told to us. Jesus said, I'll meet you guys on the other side. And just because he didn't tell them about a storm doesn't mean that his words were any less because the storm appeared. Peter finally manages to get out of the boat. And when he gets out of the boat, He starts walking on water, and that's why he's the star. Most of the time we preach this, and we only settle on him sinking. But I want to remind you of something. That for a few moments, Peter was walking on the water. Like, that's not something that's made up. He was literally walking on the water. Somebody just like you and I. This is not Jesus, because sometimes, you know, when you just look at Jesus doing something, we can use that kind of as an excuse because it's like, well, yeah, he's the Lord. I mean, sure, he walked on the water. But what do we say about Peter? (laughs) He's literally walking on the water. He's doing this. And sometimes that's how you feel. You feel like you're right in the center of that miracle. Some great things are happening. God is placing anointing on your life and you're doing it. I mean, you're walking that storm as well. You're not even paying attention to it. You are doing this thing. Have you ever had a day like that where you just feel like, you know, this is the right song. I've got the right voice. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> today is that day, you know, outside of the shower, that is. I mean, I got the right voice. Everything is that day. You know, my today, I walked past and my shadow fell up on my car and my car started. Everything worked. I mean, it was that day. I'm doing it. I know my word. I'm excited and I'm passionate. But then there are times when things can happen. Even in the middle of your walk. And you started out in that storm, but even in the middle of that. And what really takes place is you recognize the turbulence. See, when Peter first got out of the boat, the turbulence was already happening. The storm was already taking place. But he wasn't paying any attention to that. He was paying attention to what he wanted to do, which was make it to Jesus. But now, all of a sudden, he's already out there in the water, and he becomes distracted, and he starts paying attention to everything going on around him to the turbulence that's taking place around him. It was already going on, but now he's paying attention to it. Because see, now he doesn't have the security of the boat. He's only got these three things. And you have to recognize these three things in order for you to continue on in Christ. First thing is 
Faith. Faith is what caused him to be able to get out of the boat in the first place. I mean, listen to what he says to Jesus. He says to him, if it's really you, then tell me to do something stupid. I mean, tell me to get out of the boat. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, if it's really you, that takes a lot of faith because even though he's asking Christ to prove who he is by giving him an assignment, at the same time, he has to believe the words because if Christ was a ghost, wouldn't he lie? <laughs> I mean, the ghost could have said, come on too, and not really have been Christ, right? So he had to already believe that that was Christ. His faith was already intact. And that's what we have to hold on to as well. Our faith has to remain intact if we're going to walk through these turbulent times and reach the destinations that we're called to reach in Christ. Another thing is this, focus, right? We know that this whole story is happening because of his focus and what changes whether or not he is going to be able to continue taking steps in this walk was predicated upon his focus. As long as he was focused on Christ, he was able to continue taking steps. As soon as he displaced his focus from Christ and put it on the turbulence and put it on the things going bad around him, all of a sudden it was his focus that caused him to begin to sink. And that's what happens to us when we lose our focus because we're so concerned on what's going on in government and we're so enamored with what's going on in entertainment and we're so caught up in what's going on with other people and other things and other situations, especially as it impacts our lives. And I'm not saying to not be knowledgeable of those things, but I am saying we cannot be consumed by those things. Because once we become consumed by those things, we take our focus off the one who matters. And we begin to sink. The third thing is intentionality. There was an intention that Peter had when he got out of that boat. That because his faith and his focus was misplaced and displaced, it caused him to forget what his intention was getting out of that boat in the first place. And his intention, before he got out, he didn't necessarily ask Jesus for power to walk on water. What he asked for was, bid that I come to you. Call me to you. I want to make it to you. And see, that has to be our intention before we get out of the boat if we're actually going to make it through the storm. We have to be intentional about our direction. We have to be intentional about the things that we do so that the things that we do will take us to the one in whom we want to be with. And a whole lot of people are jumping ship today. It looks like they're jumping ship as far as our congregations are going and, and attending fellowship and attending worship. It looks like churches are emptying out. But I am suggesting to you that it's really not people are jumping ship. It's that they were never really intentional about living for Christ in the first place. Because when you intend to do something, more times than not, you actually do it. 
But when you just join a church because it felt good when you went, or if you just pick up your Bible because you, you, you're gonna, you got something out of it in that moment, if you don't intend to finish this course, if you don't intend to make it to Jesus, then the storm is going to take you out every single time. But how many folk do I have here that intends to make it to Jesus? It's not just about walking on the water. Because the unfortunate truth is that sometimes walking on the water, your clothes get wet. Salt water gets in your eyes. Sometimes you're blinded by the wind and you don't know which way to go. Sometimes you're frightened by the thunder and the loud sound. Sometimes the lightning is spooky. But guess what? Your intention being figured out before you get out will keep your focus forward and it will keep your faith strong. And so now what happens is because Peter displaces his faith, loses his focus, is not sure about his intentionality anymore, he begins to sink. But at least one thing he did, because Peter, at least he's smart, He's got one thing figured out. He knows I'm not on this water by myself. I'm not walking alone. Sometimes that's how the enemy isolates us, makes us feel like we're in the storm by ourselves. But we're not out here alone. As a matter of fact, the person who was already walking on water before I got out of the boat, he's the one out here. And so if he's still out here, then he can help me. And Peter recognizes that if I'm going to take another step before I take another step, I got to figure out the next step because I'm already sinking. My heart is already melting. My mind is already going downward. I'm already feeling this depression coming in. I'm already feeling sad. I'm already discombobulated. Turbulence is happening. What do I need to do next? You thought I was talking about the next actual step. No. What needs to happen before you can even start stepping again physically is you got to figure out. You got to figure out. Got to figure some stuff out. And in the middle of a storm, while you're going down, guess what you don't have time to do? You don't have time to figure stuff out. <laughs> you don't have time to pull out the chalkboard and say, hey, let's do some scientific equations here. And let's get this thing, you know, if we carry the two and, you know, cancel the one. No, it doesn't work like that. That means you need to be in communication with the one who's already figured it out. He's already walking on the water, so he's already mastered the storm. He already knows the composition of the water. He already knows where to step. He already knows which way to go. He knows which way the wind is blowing. He's got all of that. And so Peter, while he's going down, he's just, he says, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately, immediately, Jesus was there. And took him by the hand and lifted him. And he starts talking to him and he says, Oh, ye of little faith, why'd you doubt? Now, here's the thing. When he got back to the boat, his words weren't so nice. 
Because he's like, you guys didn't even try. <laughs> you, guys, you didn't even try. You didn't encourage him. You didn't say, way to go, Peter. Way to go. You didn't, you didn't do any of that, right? You just stayed the boat. But Peter was actually told that at least he had a little faith. And I believe that that was not just from his decision to walk on the water. Even though he sank, I believe that a part of that also was that he knew what he should do next when he got into trouble. And I'm suggesting, no, I'm charging. No, I'm urging. Rock Point, total life. The turbulence in which we're experiencing in this world right now, which is too much to name in detail. It's only one way we're going to be able to know what to do next. We're going to have to stop everything. And we're going to have to call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to have to say, save us. Not the kind of spiritual salvation. For many of you, that's already been worked out. You already know that when Christ returns, you know where you're going. You feel secure in that. But I'm talking about that moment where you need literal stepping in of God into your situation, into that storm, and literally grabbing you by the hand and literally pulling you up. The miraculous thing is that when he pulls Peter up, they don't just end up in the boat. They still got to get back to the boat. Because Christ wants to let you all know and let me know I'll help you walk the rest of the way. But you've got to know what space you're in and you've got to know what to do next. And I believe that God is calling all of his people into this moment of prayer and this moment of realignment and refocusing and intentionality and pulling ourselves together because many of us We've been distracted by something. Every time you turn on the news, it's a distraction. Every time you look out, it's a distraction. I know my job alone, always a distraction. I can't even get to all of the unfortunate events that take place and trying to explain to a mother while her child is laying there or her son or daughter's laying there and she's screaming out whether she believes in God or not. One thing always happens. Why did you do this, God? It's so much going on in our world. We're doing a good job, but look, everybody can be distracted. That's another thing. It happened so quickly. Like Peter didn't even get the chance to brace for it. It just, he was doing well, and then boom. That's how quickly it can happen to us, especially when you think you're doing well and you're so busy celebrating doing well. You're not even paying attention to the fact, I need to keep my focus. I need to stay intentional. I need to get to Jesus. I need to keep my faith strong. And that's why we enjoy fellowshipping with Rock Point. Because we understand that these are the days when we all need to be in fellowship together, calling on the name of the Lord. If that happened with just one person, Peter, and the Lord saved him and took him back to the boat, what would have happened if all 12 of them in the midst of the storm 
Even while Jesus was still up on the mountain praying, what would have happened if they would have recognized that the means of delivering themselves was not working? And they all just put the buckets down and put the paddles down and everything and just lifted their hands and said, Lord, save us. How much faster would that deliverance have been for all of them? And Rock Point and Total Life, I think that that's what we're being called to do. God says you're doing a great work. And many of us, we're starting to become weary in that well-doing. Some of us stepping back and saying, I don't even remember how this makes sense. I forgot what the intention was. What am I supposed to be doing again? I feel myself sinking. I'm not praying as much. I'm not worshiping as much. I'm not fellowshipping as much. My mind is all distracted. My heart is all torn up. I don't know what's going on with me. Well, I'm telling you, in the middle of the storm, you may not be able to figure out what's going on with you, but there's someone that already knows not only what's going on with you, but he knows exactly what you need. And I believe that if we all pull together and take this next step and say together, Lord, step in, grab me by the hand, and lead me where you need me to be. We can pray that and God will hear us and he will answer our prayers. Can we stand to our feet? I know that often it is traditional even that we end in prayer the message but I don't want today to be traditional I really feel in my heart in my spirit I feel that we need to link up and really pray today that the Lord steps in and gives us the guidance and everything that we need. So I'm going to ask you to just take the hands next to you on your same pew. You don't even have to move out. But if you'll just take the hand of at least one other person. And if you would bow your head with me. And literally pray. Asking the Lord to save his people. I believe if we do that in concert, that he will hear us. Dear Heavenly Father, our gratitude today is towards you. Our hearts are towards you. This country is in a storm. And your people are caught dead smack in the center of it. And I won't lie. Father, we repent. Because perhaps we've lost our focus. Maybe we've forgotten our intention. Maybe we've misplaced our faith. But whatever it is that's caused us to not keep our footing and to begin to sink. We're asking you now to save us. Don't let us go all the way down in the water. Don't let us drown. Don't let us perish without fulfilling the assignment, which is to make it to you 
with our faith still intact, with our focus still forward, and with our hearts still intentional, that we might be in grander fellowship. And on this day of communion, as we remember and recognize you and the work of salvation, spiritual that you've done for us, we also submit ourselves to you that you would allow that work to be manifest through us and that even in the midst of the storm, we shall not perish, but we shall be lifted from the waters with your love and grace. And we ask this together, Total Life, Rock Point Church, and all other congregations that are true to your word, empower us all, and we thank you.